Welcome into 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we are going to preview the NFL Divisional Round matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. Niners come in 14-4 on the year. Cowboys come in 13-5. Last week, San Francisco beat Seattle 41-23. Brock Purdy had four total touchdowns. Could have been five. Brandon Ayuk catches the ball. Could have been five. And the team totals 500-plus yards. Dallas, though, they are coming off a Monday night football primetime victory over Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-14. Dak Prescott had the best game of his life, at least in the playoffs. Five touchdowns of his own, and the team tallied 400-plus yards as well. This matchup on Sunday at, what, 3.30? It's a weird time, right? 3.30 for a game? I don't like that. But 3.30 on Sunday is the ninth meeting between the Dallas Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers in NFL playoff history. That is tied for the record for most meetings between two teams in NFL playoff history. Now, what has the conversation been coming in? One, historic matchup, but many people are pointing to last year's teams. Last year's game, come playoff time, Dak Prescott tries to spike it, no seconds left. You know, Jimmy has the jacked up thumb, then he hurts his shoulder, and like so much history in that game alone. But I don't think last year matters one bit. Yes, you can argue, well, that is the last time a Kyle Shanahan offense has played against a Dan Quinn defense. I would agree. That is one thing you can take away from that game. Outside of that, I don't think so. Personnel is so different. I think San Francisco doesn't have 10 starters on defense from that team. Like, come on. I mean, like, like what are we doing, right? And I, I do get that, but I do think this game is different. This Dallas team is improved. This Niners team is improved. And because of that, I do think that has led to the media kind of starting a circus of, San Francisco had two extra days off. My response is, hey, Dallas, win more games, right? It's not San Francisco's fault that they get two extra days off. It's the NFL's fault wanting to, you know, make money on Monday night. <laughs> like, they want to maximize their profit. That's why. And I get it. Having the two extra days might make a difference here. That might, like, that That would give Kyle Shanahan the upper hand on anything Dan Quinn throws at him, right? Two extra days of prep for their scheme, how to exploit Dallas defensively. Like, you don't want to give a, a surgeon like Kyle Shanahan that time. So I get the gripe. But in retort, win more games, Dallas, it wouldn't be a problem. That simple, that easy. You know, maybe beat Philadelphia twice, okay? You want the first team to be shorthanded? Happened to us. Happened to countless other teams come playoff time. So stop whining. But the media conversation around this game to me is very interesting. Because when San Francisco beat Tampa Bay back, what, no, five weeks ago, when it was Brock Purdy's, what, first NFL career start, right? He beat the GOAT in his first game. And we all hyped it up. But I do think Niner fans, at least I can speak for myself here, we knew Tampa Bay didn't have three starting pieces in, in the secondary. They had one, Vitavea, who's a great player. He got hurt in the first quarter of that game, right? Debo Samuel got hurt in that game. 
Like, there were... Context matters when it comes to what San Francisco did. And even then, Josh Johnson was taking snaps with two drives left in that game. Like, San Francisco knocked the socks off of Tampa Bay. Which is funny because I... And maybe it's because the media knows how good San Francisco is. And nobody, and I mean nobody picked the Cowboys to beat the Buccaneers. No one did. Everyone thought, well, you know, they held them to three points earlier in week one of the NFL season. Like, that matters here. Like, oh, my God. San Francisco wasn't the, or isn't the same team they were in week seven against the Chiefs. Dallas isn't the same team they were week one against the Buccaneers. But the media conversation went from... The Dallas Cowboys have no chance to beat the Buccaneers to, oh my goodness, Dak Prescott might be the best quarterback remaining in the NFC, and they can beat the number two seed San Francisco 49ers. That flip doesn't make sense to me because you beat the Buccaneers, who were 9-8, and eight, who Tom Brady has thrown the ball 700 times at the age of 46 years old. Again, how was that... Well, yes, you killed the Buccaneers, Cowboy fans. I don't see the correlation of they have no chance to beat the Buccaneers to, oh my goodness, they could beat the Niners. In what world does that make sense? I'm not going into the Giants-Eagles game saying, you know, the Giants have a chance here. You know, They might be the best team in the NFC still. No, I'm not. The Vikings were fraudulent. The Buccaneers had no business being in the playoffs. Like Seattle, same thing. And I can argue Seattle is less fraudulent than the Buccaneers were this year. And the Bucs beat Seattle. <laughs> right? Like, so the media narrative of, you know, oh my God, Dallas, you know, Dak Prescott, oh, 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 watch out. Like, yeah, I got that. But I also know history. In my lifetime, I'm 26 years old. In my lifetime, the Dallas Cowboys have been flaunted. And, you know, flown about is they're America's team, so much rich history of the 90s and Michael Irvin and Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith and so much rich history here. But in my lifetime, they have historically been fraudulent. They have been the epitome of, we'll get them next year. How many Dallas Cowboys, you know, Super Bowl champions 2003 and four and five and six tattoos have you seen on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter over the years? Like Dallas Cowboy fans, I have to give you credit. You believe every single year. Whether it's, you know, it doesn't matter who your quarterback is, who the coach is, what the defense is, you believe every single year. And I can give you that. Like, kudos to you. But I have seen too many Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl champions X year have to be covered up because they were wrong. And I'm sorry, this Dallas Cowboys team does not look like a Super Bowl caliber team. They're too inconsistent. I've seen this team give up 400 plus yards to Garner Minshew and almost lose, right? I've seen this team go into Jacksonville and Dak Prescott play like a backup quarterback in that game late in the game. But he himself gave that game away in Jacksonville. Like Charger fans are like, you couldn't just beat them, Dallas, like, now we lost because of you. (laughs) But, like, this Dallas Cowboys team is so, they're up and down, like, there's so many ebbs and flows to their game. But with all of that said, 
with me openly telling you in the first five to eight minutes of this podcast, I do not believe in the Dallas Cowboys. I will say this right now. The Dallas Cowboys pose thus far the most serious threat to San Francisco's quest for their sixth Lombardi trophy. And let me explain. Everything starts at the very top. No, not with McCarthy and Jerry Jones, with Dak Prescott. He had the best playoff game of his career. 329 total yards, five touchdowns, and 143.3 passer rating. Great game. How many times do you see a team get hot, a player get hot? Dak Prescott looked driven in that game. And they missed, what, five extra points or four extra points in a field goal. <laughs> right, the score could have been a lot worse in, in, in that game. And so I understand that a, a motivated Dak Prescott, he, he himself said that last year's loss to San Francisco scarred him. One, good. <laughs> like, good. <laughs> I'm happy it did. It should have. It was supposed to. But two, I understand that when a quarterback flips that switch, anything is possible. That being said, the issue with Dak Prescott is he has some Kirk Cousins to him. And I like Dak Prescott. I love Dak Prescott. I think he's a good leader. I think he's a good quarterback. If he was quarterbacking my San Francisco, our San Francisco 49ers, I would not be mad. People doubt Dak Prescott. And I get it. Like, there are certain times he falters. And I think in a game like this, he does have some Kirk Cousins to him. Where sometimes he will climb back into that turtle shell and say, is it okay to come back outside yet? Sometimes he becomes a shill and will not come outside. The Dak Prescott we saw in Tampa Bay may have very well been left in Tampa Bay. Right? They have, what, five days to prep, have to go from Florida all the way to San Francisco. That wears on a team. That wears on a quarterback, right? And it's funny because Jerry Jones likes to, you know, flaunt around, you know, I have Dak Prescott, and that's great. I would too. Prescott's a great person. Not a great quarterback. A good quarterback, not a great quarterback. And it's funny because the one thing that Jerry Jones said was he's a dual-threat quarterback. Is he really? Now, since since Dak Prescott hurt his foot, right, last year, got carted off, it was awful. Very, it reminded me of Trey Lance's injury, right? Like It was like, oh, like, is that what this is? And that's catastrophic for a guy early in his career, right? But since then, 33 rushes this year. Only 33. And guess what? He's fumbled four times. Like, Dak Prescott may be a dual threat, keeping a play alive out of the pocket, but he also is prone of turning the ball over when he does so. And it's funny because that is like that right there has been Dak Prescott's kryptonite, giving the ball away. He has never had a game this year where he has gone two games in a row without throwing an interception. He also leads the NFL in interceptions, and the Cowboys themselves are fifth in the NFL in throwing interceptions. That's with Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott had a great game against the Buccaneers. The issue is that Dak Prescott might not show up against San Francisco. And I can argue 
because the Buccaneers had like what like a the number twelfth defense in football. You're not playing the Buccaneers defense. You're playing the number one defense in football this Sunday. A team that they know the magnitude of this game. They sit back and they go, we are playing the Dallas Cowboys. And guess what? We want to run them into the ground. We want to set the tone early. Punch them in the face. Look at last year's game. I hate doing it, but look at last year's game. How many times did, like, Jawan Jennings knock over Trevon Diggs? You know, it's dogged him big time. Kind of a cheap shot, to be honest with you. Right? The Niners know they can out-physical Dallas. Dallas, for how good they might be, again, good team, 13 wins this year. Like, you beat Tampa Bay. You knocked out Tom Brady. That's a great thing you did. The issue is that that Tampa Bay team is not that physical. They're old. They're worn down, and that's despite their age not being that old. Like Tom Brady being 46, like that's the oldest guy on that team. <laughs> and he looked tired, exhausted, missing passes. That ain't Brock Purdy. Like playoff Leonard Fournette didn't show up. That ain't Chris McCaffrey. They didn't like the Bucks don't have Mike Evans or you know, or excuse me. The Niners don't have Mike Evans and Godwin. They have Debo and Ayuk and Kittle. And Jawan Jennings and McLeod, and I can keep going on and on and on. Like you are not playing the Buccaneers, Dallas Cowboy fans. You are playing a top five offense that's averaging 34 plus points a game with Brock Purdy at quarterback and the number one defense in football. But alas, I will say this Dak Prescott, if motivated, if he can have a game where he can start things off quick, get into rhythm that can poise a problem for San Francisco. And the reason why I say that is because I know how you can get Dak Prescott into a rhythm. You got to feed Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard, and it baffled me last year. We had this exact same podcast last year. How do you beat Dallas? How do you stop Dallas? You have to limit what Tony Pollard can do offensively. And last year, Dallas said, we're not even going to use him in the playoff game. And I said, what is the thinking here? How, how are you not going to use your best running back? One of your best offensive weapons, how are you not going to even utilize them in any sort of way? But this year, they finally are. And I do think that while San Francisco's run defense is you know, near the top of the NFL, I do think that we saw last week when a quarterback like Geno Smith, who albeit is a lot worse than Dak Prescott, Although similar to him, if you can get Kenneth Walker going, you can get Geno Smith feeling comfortable. If you can get Pollard and Zeke going, you can get Dak Prescott feeling comfortable. Like Dak, Dak Prescott himself is not going to be able to beat San Francisco's defense. They are going to have to have him be complementary to Tony Pollard in the Cowboys running game. And right now, Tony Pollard... 5.2 yards per carry, ranks second in football. 19 rushes for 15-plus yards, ranks third in football. And his last 40 carries, 157 yards for 3.9 yards per carry. Like, San Francisco's number one run defense is going to have to show up on Sunday. They have to. There was too many times in that Seattle game where, you know, things were on, you know, kind of on the brink there of, like, how is this game going to go? 
Seattle feels themselves. They have momentum. Like they can feel the game swaying in their favor. And at a certain point in that game against the Seahawks, Kenneth Walker was getting five, six, four yards per carry. And there was a certain point in that game where I said, this game, like, someone has to make a play here. Like, this game is too close. Seattle Seattle feels they can win this game. And if you're San Francisco, how do you make Dallas feel like they have no chance? You have to make Dak Prescott be the only one that can beat you. Now, he can do it more than Geno Smith might be able to, but Dak Prescott usually likely is not going to be able to beat you single-handedly. You are going to have to limit what Pollard can do. Now, if you're going to do that, and let's say you can limit Tony Pollard, right? Well, then who are you dealing with? CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, Noah Brown, T.Y. Hilton, right? And CeeDee Lamb, obviously of those four players, poses the biggest threat. CeeDee Lamb lines up in the slot 53% of snaps. And guess what, Jimmy Ward? I'm going to need you to show up on Sunday. And you have the better half of the year, right? Like, he has been locked down for the better part of the season. Jimmy Ward is a dog. Now, let's not do dumb penalties like last weekend. (laughs) Let's limit that crap. But I do think that what CeeDee Lamb can do to a defense is similar to what a Jalen Waddle can do, in my opinion, at least. Although I do think they have different skill sets physically. Like, I think Lamb is a much more physical receiver. Waddle is more of a speed receiver, in a sense. But both guys are fast themselves. But CeeDee Lamb can cut through a defense. He's unafraid to go over the middle. This is a guy who will be in the slot, and he'll be at the top of the route instantly. And to me... When I know that this Niners defense, or at least passing defense, has struggled, my mind thinks of Hufunga. Okay, like, if you want to make a statement early, if you want to maybe smack Dallas in the mouth, kind of you know hit them hard and push them back down to earth, they're riding high. We beat the Bucks. We beat the Bucks. Well, how do you make them say, well, now you're playing the 49ers? What you can't do is have that first drive miscommunication, big touchdown play against you. Happened against what? The Dolphins? Happened against the Raiders? Plenty of times this year. Chiefs? Like, although they won two of those three games, you can't do that against this team in a playoff game. Like, you cannot give Dak Prescott and this Cowboys team confidence, right? This game for them... not. It, it doesn't mean more to them than us, but they know they're coming into our house. They have to prove to the NFL they can be a top dog. We don't have to do that. We've already shown we can do that. Like, people are still picking us to win the whole thing, and we're the two seed. People are saying they can beat the Bengals and the Bills and the Chiefs. and the, like People are saying San Francisco is going to, uh, to be the NFC representative in the Super Bowl, no one's picking Dallas here. Dallas has everything to prove on Sunday. And for San Francisco, what do you do? It's like when, <laughs> I wouldn't do this, but it's like 
Like, my parents always tell me stories of, you know, when I was a kid, if I talked back to my parent, it'd be a freaking wooden spoon to the butt. You know, you get smacked across the face, just like right across, and you'd be you know, back to your room. You don't talk unless you're spoken to. Well, if you're San Francisco, I'm going to ask you to go back in time to 1975 or 1982 and get that wooden spoon out. You have to smack Dallas in the mouth and say, you don't speak unless you're spoken to. Now, don't do that now to your kids, but, you know, <laughs> like, like you're going to have to at some point, you know, discipline the child when they're talking when they shouldn't. And Dallas right now shouldn't be talking because you beat a Buccaneers team who isn't good. And for San Francisco, who beat Seattle? They're not good either. Like, I can say you know, myself the smack talk of, you know, we beat Seattle, a better team. No, they're not. Like, Seattle, in my opinion, is not better or is maybe a little bit better than Tampa Bay. And so right now, to me, it's like, okay, like, San Francisco, you've made your statement with the last 11 games you've won. Everyone sees that. But for Dallas, it's okay. They're talking after losing to the Commanders in Jacksonville, and you barely beat a backup quarterback in Minshew and Buccaneers. It's like, okay, like, good for you, but, like, you shouldn't be talking. Mom, get the wooden spoon! Good old Dak Prescott's talking up again. Jerry Jones is out of line again. Get that spoon out, Mom, right? You know, it's, you come home and the dad's like, go get my belt out, boy. You know, and they are, they're out there doing this, right? And, and you're getting your freaking butt handed to you. <laughs> like, that's what San Francisco needs to do to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Now, again, they have plenty of threats. Dalton Schultz, great in the red zone. Fred Warner, Greenlaw, they have to do their job. But I will say this. Despite there being Dak Prescott and Tony Pollard and just names on Dallas that might maybe scare you. What worries me the most in this game, at least from a defensive standpoint, is our passing defense. And I said it struggled plenty of times, limit the big play, but since week 16, San Francisco has played the Commanders, the Raiders, the Cardinals, and Geno Smith. That's Taylor Heineke, Jared Stidham, Trace McSorley for a little bit, and Geno Smith. Since then, San Francisco's pass defense ranks 28th in passing yards per game, 30th in opponent completion percentage per game. They've allowed the most touchdowns per game at 9, and their opponent passer rating is 98.1, which ranks 28th in football. Now, I would assume much of that is the Raider game because Stidham said I'm, I, I am Jesus 2.0 because I don't think Smith had a great game. He had one big play, that changed some stuff, got into a small groove, and then it instantly fumbled through a pick. Things got changed. Taylor Heineke had some big plays. But like those stats do worry me. San Francisco's defense, which I've already said, has been or or at this point in the season, worries me more than the offense. I have more trust right now in this offense than the number one defense in football because of stuff like that. Stuff where I say, okay, <laughs> it's like you're going to face an offense, Kellen Moore's offensive coordinator, they're going to want to throw the football against you. And a lot worse teams, Washington, the Raiders, Cardinals, 
have been able at certain points hurt you for big plays. That cannot happen on Sunday. It can't happen. And especially on third down, where San Francisco this year ranks 23rd in football. Now, I do want to retort that a little bit because what I've noticed on third downs is Demeco Ryans loves the show me blitz where it's okay. Like you're going to pass. We're going to bring pressure at you. We're going to hurry that quarterback up. And even if he completes the first down, we are going to hope that we can pressure him a little bit and force that turnover, get the ball back. And San Francisco leads the NFL in interceptions. Now, again, my concern is still that this passing defense, Mooney Ward got torched last week. Lenore's had his ups and downs. Hufanga has been inconsistent as of late. Like, there are definitely points in the game where it's like, okay, <laughs> like, like, at what point do things get tightened up? But the beauty of this is that's why you have the Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk-led offense. <laughs> That's why, in case your defense struggles, you have a top two offense in football, in my opinion. And I can argue you scoring 34 points plus a game puts you at the top of the list. Like, I'm sorry, Dallas, you are not going to score 33 points against this defense. And for Dallas fans, I can hear them saying, how is San Francisco going to score 34 points against our defense. We're number two in football. We have the second most sacks, 54 in the NFL. We had the second highest adjusted sack rate, 8.9%, almost 9% of the time we are getting a sack. How can they stop us? We have Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and Dorrance Armstrong and Dante Fowler Jr. We have a defensive player of the year candidate how is Trent Williams and Aaron Banks and Jake Brendel and Spencer Burford and Brunskill and McGlinchey, how are they going to stop us? It's a good question. It's a good question. Thankfully, I have the answer for you. <laughs> That's what you came here for, right? You, did, you didn't come for the spanking jokes of 1975 or 1982. You came for how was San Francisco going to beat the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday and advance to the NFC Championship game for the second time in three seasons and the third time in four years. That's what you came here for. You came here to know how do we send the Dallas Cowboys back to Dallas, to Jerry World, with their lassos tucked between their legs. And look, the Dallas Cowboys defense is good. They are top two in football for a reason just behind us. Like that cannot be understated. This Sunday is going to be a challenge for San Francisco. I am expecting, although there's going to be some scoring, this game is going to be a dogfight. Now, for how long? We'll see. But I do think that this game is going to be, may not be equally matched up teams. I do think San Francisco has the edge at certain points. But I do think these two teams might be the most equally matched teams this week in this playoff round. And I think both both teams have confidence. Both teams feel like they can win this game. It is up to who can steal momentum early and who can out-physical the other team. And so with that being said, this entire game starts up front.
up front, like this, you, the, the way you win in the NFL, especially a game like this, number one defense, n- number two defense, top five offense, maybe a top 10 offensive football. You have to dominate up front. Banks, Williams, Burford, Brendel, Brunskill, McGlinchey, they have to hold up. And I'm sorry, I would give the edge while maybe Dallas has more strength from center over. Like, Zach Martin's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Smith at right tackle is, has been great this year. Great find for them. But I can point to one person on the Dallas offensive line where I say, oh, that's the guy you attack nonstop. And it's left tackle Tyler Smith, who is going to be filling in likely for Jason Peters. Now, it's funny because he is an average pass blocker. But PFF, for what it's worth, ranks Smith 62nd among 64 qualifying tackles in pass block win rate. Interesting. Interesting. So you're starting left tackle. The blind side of Dak Prescott has to play against Nick Bosa, who leads the NFL with 18 and a half sacks, has over 100 pressures, is this year's Defensive Player of the Year, bar none. Sorry, Micah Parsons. And he's the 62nd ranked pass block left tackle in football? Oh. Well, I mean, that's that's the guy you attack nonstop. But even then, if you want to point to, okay, let's see you can get that done. It's not just about how you can attack Dak Prescott. Like Jimmy Ward has to lock down CeeDee Lamb. It's about hitting them early off the block, not letting them get and open their routes, right? Being on them like the old saying, white on rice, <laughs> right? Like you are going to have to out-physical Dallas up front in the secondary, and I do think San Francisco has that edge. And it's funny because I think Dallas may have one of the most least physical star cornerbacks in football, and he's a good player. I mean, Trevon Diggs is a great player, great ball hawk. He has picks galore. Last year, he led the NFL in picks coming into that game. What did San Francisco do? What did Brandon Ayuk do? Put that fool in a blender. Blender. It was like a freaking protein shake out there. Ayuk was just jucking and jiving left and right, cutting and sliding. And, and Diggs was like, what do I do? And before he knew it, Jennings is knocking him on his butt. Trevon Diggs coming into this game, again, he always has a knack for the football. And while that might concern me, knowing that Brock Purdy is unafraid, he might test Trevon Diggs early in this game, and it might bite him. But I will say this. Trevon Diggs, this year, has given up as many touchdowns, five, as Mooney Ward, Demo Lenore, and Emmanuel Mosley combined. Combined this year. So San Francisco's top three cornerbacks, one who hasn't played since, what, week five against the Panthers, whatever it was, he's given up more touchdowns than San Francisco's top three cornerbacks this year. 
combined. You can exploit Trevon Diggs. He's not a great coverage cornerback. He's gotten better since last year, I'll say. But he gets freaking burnt like toast in the morning all the time. Like, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, it's just, hey, Ayuk, go out there on Trevon. Go out there on Diggs. Have fun. Have have fun, Trevon. Like, good luck. We have one of the best separators in football that is going to dice and slice you like a Gordon Ramsay plate. Like, I watched plenty of Hell's Kitchen, Kitchen Nightmares. Like, Gordon Ramsay is going to go up to Trevon Diggs and say, what are you? I'm an idiot sandwich. Like, it's rotten, me man. It's rotten. It's an awful impersonation. I get it. But, I mean, my God. Like, Trevon Diggs, again, he's a good player. He's a good cornerback when it comes to being a ball hawk. That's all he is, though. That's a great trait to have. It, it makes great PFF, you know, Twitter posts of who's the best cornerback, who has the most picks, who has the best pass coverage stats. It ain't Trevon Diggs, by all means. Not at all. And I do think the way <laughs> the way you're able to exploit Trevon Diggs is, again, using Debo Samuel and Ayuk, obviously, but to get Brock Purdy comfortable, and it's not like he has to be because Shanahan was like, go out there and win me a game last week. We threw like 37 times against Seattle, 33 times. The Dallas Cowboys this year, in five of their losses, all five, they've allowed at least 130 yards rushing. Catch this. San Francisco has had over 130 rushing yards in the last six weeks in a row and have had 130 rushing yards in eight of their last 11 games. So um, someone ring the doorbell for Elijah Mitchell. Oh, oh, oh and the best running back outside of Josh Jacobs in football, Christian McCaffrey. Oh, and also, hello, Debo Samuel. 72-yard passing play last week. I mean, look, Dallas is a good team. They are. They should be respected. They should be. This is not going to be Niners versus Seattle. But I will say this. For every Dallas Cowboy strength, which they have plenty, San Francisco can exploit two of their weaknesses. Like, yes, and, and look, San Francisco has their weaknesses. Pass coverage, not been great. At times, they can slip defensively, not been great. But did you know, since acquiring Christian McCaffrey, San Francisco went from scoring on 48 4.8 of their drives, nearly every five drives, they would score a touchdown. To every 2.6 of their drives, they score a touchdown. Chris McCaffrey nearly has San Francisco scoring double the touchdowns. Two times the touchdowns. He has made their offense, he, he has cut their efficiency in half, if that makes sense. He has made the offense nearly as perfect as you can get it. And that's not including Brock Purdy being in the in the fold. That's not having Debo back. That's with Jimmy and CMC to CMC with Purdy. 
like, again, like, what I'm trying to say is that while, yes, San Francisco might have their weaknesses, when I look at Dallas, I see a team coming in overly confident that knows they are the ones that have to prove the point. They are the ones that have to come in. They have to make the statement. And I do think that their defense, remember, it's Kyle Shanahan, Dan Quinn, plenty of history there. Say for, like, don't forget last year, and again, I hate pointing to it, but it is the last time San Francisco has played a Dan Quinn defense. The only reason why that game was even relatively close at the end of that game, again, Jimmy messed up thumb, hurt his shoulder, threw a pick late. Brock Purdy ain't doing that stuff. Like, San Francisco's offense had a worse offensive line last year, had a worse quarterback last year, and even when healthy was worse than Brock Purdy. Albeit good, but a a really healthy Jimmy Garoppolo was not as good as a healthy Brock Purdy, and last year they had a banged-up Jimmy Garoppolo that was basically stitched back together. That ain't this team. And they're at home in front of their home crowd. And I could argue that San Francisco last year was able to dominate physically that Dallas Cowboys team. This year's Niners team is better defensively, more explosive offensively. And and look, I haven't even talked about who on that Dallas team is going to guard George Kittle? Micah Parsons can't. Leighton Van Der Esch can't. Anthony Barr can't. And Jerron Curse, their nickel, or their, their, their safety who plays nickel a lot, he's, he'll play, but he's hurt. So, Chris McCaffrey in the slot. George Kittle, use check, 21 personnel. Like, the Dallas Cowboys may be confident. But they should be ready to get smacked in the face. Because that's coming. Many Dallas Cowboy fans are coming into this week saying, No one believes in us. Backs against the wall. We have to show them who we are. The difference is we know who you are. We've seen this story before. We've seen you go 13-3 and and lose to the Rams in the first round. We've seen Dallas win 10, 12 games and lose to a broken thumb, torn shoulder, Jimmy Garoppolo. And half of this fan base doesn't even think he's good when healthy. And yes, that Dallas Cowboys defense is better than last year. Last year means absolutely nothing to this game on Sunday. But Nick Bosa said it best. A man of very few words... But when he talks, you listen. And he said, we cannot let them feel like they can win this game. It's the same thing he said last week against Seattle. And and look, Nick Bosa had no pressures last week. Do you not think he's going to be hungry? Do you not think the defensive player of the year is not sitting back and saying, huh, one play in Micah Parsons, who half the world thinks he should be defensive player of the year. Oh, I and I hope to God Sam Acho from FS1 is watching this game. Because you want to see a clinic 
of defensive superiority from Nick Bosa, A, pay attention closely. Nick Bosa got no pressures, no sacks last week. Hey, hey Dallas, hey Tyler Smith, good luck. You're going to have an angry and even further motivated Nick Bosa? I don't even want to send you back to your mother because, my God, <laughs> like, oh, pain, pain. But again, Kyle Shanahan right now is in his bag. He is. Like, Shan this might be the best coaching Kyle Shanahan has done since 2016. Like, right now, this offense, the way it's moving, the way it's smoothly cutting through defenses like butter. This is Kyle Shanahan sitting back saying, like, my my script, my game plan is perfect. And if you can just execute it, which they have the, the perfect personnel to do so. Brock Purdy playing great. First playoff win last week. A kid who seems un... This isn't even a word, but un rattleable <laughs> like he does not get rattled they, they had one bad drive last week and they came back and scored like 30 points <laughs> it's like okay like i was thinking 28 last week they put up 41 i was like wow and look even dallas could only put up 30 like that's the difference there there is a cap to how much dallas can do offensively there is a limitless bound of what Kyle Shanahan's offense can do. They can do anything. They can score on any play. Dallas can't do that. Dallas is six yards here, seven yards here, ten. And, like, that stuff works. It's won you 13 games. Last week, San Francisco had two plays of over 65 yards. Now, look, it's not going to be that easy. But right now, the Dallas Cowboys are the worst team in football when it comes to guarding receiver number two. Let me ask you, who would you consider our receiver number two? Many might say Brandon Ayuk. And I would say, well, not this year. It's been Debo Samuel. And if you're telling me our receiver number two is former All-Pro Debo Samuel, who had over 140... I can't speak. 1,400 1, scrimmage yards last year. Who single-handedly carried this offense last year. Good luck. Like, who who's going to guard? Like, the Chris McCaffrey trade we talked earlier this week looks so much better. But here's the thing. The Dallas Cowboys, despite how good their defense is, Gave up 35-plus points to Gardner Minshew's Philadelphia Eagles. Do you not think Kyle Shanahan is going to have more to offer, more to combat the Dallas Cowboys defense than Gardner Minshew? Like, Trevon Diggs is going to have his hands full with Brandon Ayuk. Malik Hooker can't guard George Kittle. Christian McCaffrey... Can anybody stop him? I don't think so. You can give, you can tell Christian McCaffrey, 
you are going to face the number one rushing defense in football, and you are still going to play on the Carolina Panthers. And guess what? My odds would say he's probably still going to have at least 70 rushing yards in a touchdown. Like, that's how good he's been this year. He's been insane. Chris McCaffrey this year has 94-plus rushing yards in five games. Five games. And in seven games since being acquired by San Francisco, he's 100-plus yards, total yards. No defense can stop what Chris McCaffrey can do. And even if, let's say Dallas does limit what CMC can do, oh, then there's Debo. Who's going to guard Debo? Dallas already can't guard receiver number twos, and you're going to say he's that guy? <laughs> no. Like, I watched Debo Samuel last year punk Micah Parsons on live television. Like, Micah Parsons is a great player, great young player, great linebacker, edge rusher, whatever you want to call him. He's, a, he's one of the best players in football. I watched him as close as you can be to taking off the screen by Debo Samuel. He was almost a non-factor last year in that playoff game. And again, there wasn't a CMC. There wasn't Brock Purdy. There wasn't Big Cock Brock, I'll say it. <laughs> like, I don't want to point to last year because it means nothing. But if that's going to be the indicator of how this game might go, at least when it comes to, if that's the baseline for a win, like if, if that is where Niner fans and Cowboys, like Cowboys fans say, if you give us two extra minutes, that game's ours. And we're saying, you give us an extra quarter, we're winning by 20, Right? and you change the personnel to what they are this year, like San Francisco put up 41 points last week. Riding high, rested at home, and they have a kicker that can actually make field goals. I'm not going to say everything leans San Francisco's way. It doesn't. I've ran through where I'm worried. You cannot give Dak Prescott confidence. You cannot let Tony Pollard get five yards of carry on you. Like you like the defense must show up, especially in the passing game. Like you see a a confident and poised Dak Prescott, it's gonna be a long day. You can still win though. That's the difference. That a poised, confident Dak Prescott playing the best game of his career is still a quarterback San Francisco can beat. And for Brock Purdy's case, here's the thing: we've never seen him struggle outside of the first half last week where he, like, look, people can say Brock Purdy had his first playoff struggle, that, that that first half was the playoff struggle. If leading a game, giving your team the lead, going into halftime prior to your head coach and your safety screwing you, okay, like, San Francisco and that Brock Purdy offense had them the lead. And Shanahan said, someone do a squib kick. Jimmy Ward said, I'm going to try to kill Geno Smith. And that's what changed the half. Like, that's what changed prior to halftime. And so if that's the struggle, and now look, I don't think we're going to see Brock Purdy 
scrambling to his left and going to it. Like, he had all the time in the world last week. In the world. That's not going to happen. He's going to get sacked a couple times in this game. Like, this game, at least early, is going to be close. And then, slowly and steadily, what does San Francisco always do? They creep away. They pull away. Three points. Then it's seven points. Then it's ten points. And then, the final score, you know, the final buzzer rings. And though there isn't a buzzer in football, but... Then it's, oh, they put up 37 points against us, and we have 28. Now, again... I'm not going that high here. What I'm saying is, is that San Francisco on Sunday is going to win this game. They are going to advance to the NFC Championship game for the third time in four years. And the second consecutive year in a row. And they're going to beat Dallas. They're going to send these Dallas Cowboys back to Jerry World. Lasso's Pintel saying... And what happened to us, man? We beat the Buccaneers. We beat Tom Brady. What the heck, man? What happened? And we're going to say, yeah, you beat the Buccaneers. The 9-8, 719-plus passing attempt, Tom Brady-led offense that has fired half their defensive coordinators and coaching staff and their offensive coordinator. I, I, I mean, come on. San Francisco wins on Sunday because they come out and say, hey, don't make me call daddy. And daddy is, let me get the belt out, boy. I'm going to beat your freaking you-know-what because you're talking when you weren't supposed to. And so I'm saying on Sunday it's going to be 33, 33, just under that 34 points a game. They've been averaging 33, 26 San Francisco gets the win on Sunday over the Cowboys. I think it's a good game. I'm I, I am freaking elated for this game on Sunday. I'm nervous. I will say that because it's a playoff game. I'm gonna be on edge. I'll be yelling and screaming, saying, "Hey, mom, get the meatloaf!" Like man, like I am so excited for this game on Sunday. I have the, the Nick Bosa jersey on, flexing during every sack he gets, and. Look, this Niners team, maybe because I'm a fan and we're fans and it just feels right, feels special, you know? But it just seems like that other teams can't hang, you know? You're nervous, you know, how can they beat us? Or, you know, how are we going to beat them? Dallas just doesn't feel like a team that can hang with us. They have that Kirk Cousins syndrome where it's, we're great regular season. And then come playoff time, they put up more of a fight than Kirk Cousins might. You know, it's not fourth and eight and you throw a you know a little check down, but they're a team that I can look at and say, okay, like like you have to prove to me you can actually hang with us for three and a half quarters. Then I might say, okay, now I'm a little nervous here. Now I'm a little scared. But I respect them, as we all should. But on Sunday... 33-26, San Francisco gets that win. Brock Purdy gets his second career playoff win and becomes, I believe, the second rookie or the first rookie since Mark Sanchez with the New York Jets to win two playoff games as a rookie. Insane. Insane stuff here. And if you want to go to this game on Sunday, tickets are 
astronomical price. And if you want any sort of a discount, any sort, or if you want to, if we do win, I think we will, if you want to buy tickets and pre-order tickets for an NFC Championship game, whether it's in Philadelphia or at Levi's Stadium, you can use our promo code 49ERSACCESS, 49ERSACCESS at SeatGeek.com and save yourself $20 off your first purchase again at SeatGeek.com. If you want to buy some Niner gear, that CMC jersey, a Brock Purdy jersey, and even if you want to buy your Dallas Cowboy friend who's a huge fan, maybe he has that 2005 Super Bowl championship tattoo on his thigh. If you want to buy him some Niner shorts, some pajamas to cover that ugly, hideous tattoo up that he posted on Facebook 13 years ago, you can use our Fanatics link down in the description, get a discount, and also, it's Fanatics. They have all the gear you might want, and you can help the show. In the meantime, you can also follow us on social media at 49ers.access is the Instagram, and 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. Look, we are talking massive crap, massive heat, hot takes. We are going to be in Dallas Cowboys fans' faces, respectfully, all week long, including on game day. I'm hyped. You're hyped. Let's keep that train rolling. And look, before you go, you're already here. You might as well leave a like, a share, subscribe, and also leave that review. My name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. And until next time, stay faithful.